Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And we're from MindRobber.net, which happens to be the home site of MindRobber Productions, where we talk about all the things on podcasts, like this one where we talk about Doctor Who, or our other podcast, which is also our flagship podcast, The Mind Robbers, where we talk about everything that isn't Doctor Who. And occasionally Doctor Who. Uh, if you like our shows, review them on iTunes uh, because that's uh, that's a nice thing to do as long as you leave a nice review. Otherwise, don't bother, please. Uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, <laughs> or any other sort of cool thing you feel like sharing, email them to us at podcast at mindrobber.net. Uh, and if you want to start a discussion with us about this episode or other episodes, then go to the website, mindrobber.net, and uh, leave a comment on the episode post. And we will respond, and more people will join in, and it'll be a party, a comment party. But without alcohol, so... There could be alcohol. Alcohol's optional. <laughs> it's fine. BYOB. Internet alcohol. <laughs> Internet alcohol. Uh, all right. So today we're going to be talking about Earthshock and the Vampires of Venice, which will, will be our uh, series five revisit episode. Um, before we uh, do that, let's do some background significance for Earthshock, yes. uh, which has one uh, specific thing that's oh. kind of important. Oh yeah, man! Uh, big big thing about Earthshock: Space Marines. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> no, uh, Earthshock, famous for being the death of a companion, uh, one of the few deaths in the history of the show. Um, for for a show that has. So many, like, companions. It's actually killed a shocking few of them. I think you can count them all on your one hand. In terms, not counting the ones who have died and come back to life. I'm looking at you, Dr. Grayson Chang Lee from the TV movie. Uh, Oh, and Rory. Um, But (laughs) Over and over and over again. Over and over again. Which they totally did something with that one time. Um, So, so, uh, yes, Earthshock, famous for being the episode in which they killed Adric. Um, Adric, if you've been paying attention, is the really annoying mousy boy who Jonathan Nathan Turner, or John Nathan Turner, I guess, introduced back in the previous season because he wanted more of an audience identification character, someone who wasn't as powerful as Romana, but who could spar with the Doctor intellectually. Uh, They cast Matthew Waterhouse. No one liked him. According to reports, he was apparently notoriously difficult to work with on set and was constantly giving actors line readings about how he thought they should read their lines, uh, which, which as, a, as, a, as a first-time actor, probably not the best move. Probably best to just sit down, shut up, and learn some things. Uh, how old was he? He was like 
17, 18, maybe? He was really Really? Young. He was that old? He was really young. He wasn't, like, super old. I don't remember. Um, he looked really young. Yeah. Like, like 13, 14, 15. <laughs> young. Uh, he was actually, uh, I just looked it up. He was actually 21 when this aired. No. Wow. He was 20 when this aired. Yeah. Good lord. So he was he was about 1920 when when this um when the, when he was shooting this. He does not look it. No, he's got a he's got a very youthful face, countenance, <laughs> if you will. Um, so it's the story in which they killed Adric. Um, and we're going to talk about that a lot, probably at the end because it's at the end of Earthshock, and really honestly, it'll take over our whole discussion if we start with it. Um, but it's also significant for another a couple other things. It's the first appearance of the Cybermen. Um, since their one appearance in Revenge of the Cybermen, which was a fourth Doctor story from the fourth Doctor's first season. So this is like their first appearance in like seven, eight years. And before then, they hadn't appeared since The Wheel in Space, which was in... No, they hadn't appeared 68. since... No, actually, The Invasion, which was 60, 68, yeah. So okay. it'd been a few years. And if you just forget Revenge of the Cybermen, and honestly... Probably, probably best to forget Legend, uh, Revenge of the Cybermen. Not Legend. Don't forget Legend. Um, Revenge of the Cybermen. Um, it's the big reveal. It's the big return of the Cybermen, which is kind of a big deal, I guess. Um, and it's their redesign and all sorts of stuff, and we'll talk about that. But it's also it's also interesting because it's kind of got a powerhouse creative team, and by powerhouse, I'm, I say that in quotes and um, theoretically. Um, it's the first... It's not the first story written by Eric Sayward. It's actually the second he did The Visitation. He was the uh, script editor for the for, for all of Davison and almost all of Colin Baker. Um, and so he came in and did a Cyberman story, um, which he got special dispensation to do. Um, and then it's also the final directing gig of Peter Grimwade who we previously talked about in um, Kinda. So he directed Kinda, and he directed this. He also directed Full Circle, which I think is is a, a great first effort, but not much more than that. Um, b- but if there's one star of this, i got to be honest, it's Peter Grimwade, um, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. But he'll return later. Um, he writes three stories after this one. The next story, actually, that we're talking that Davison is written by him, which is Time Flight. Um, but it's the final story directed by him, and it's... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a, I think it's a hell of a directing exit um, for a number of reasons, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, so yeah, it's it's one of those big turning point moments for the show. It's one of the big. It was the most popular story, and when they when the Doctor Who magazine ran the poll the year after the year this aired and said what was the best story, or shock won by a country mile, um, and it's still really, really, really popular today. Um, and we'll talk about that. So it's it's a big it's a big one. It's a real big one. All right. Well, uh, before we move on and really start talking to talking about it, I uh, want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, where you can purchase our book of the month, Criminal Deluxe Edition Volume 1 by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, uh, which you can get for only twenty seven forty nine, which is 45% off the suggested retail price of forty nine ninety nine. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. All right. Well, um, so Earthshock is a, a story that I think um, – I really think the ending just paints the rest of it in retrospect because mm-hmm. um, it's not very good. Uh, <laughs> it's – I mean it's fine, but it's 
it's just very generic and it's and it's not um it's just not one that if it wasn't for the ending uh which is really well done uh spectacularly well done uh but if it wasn't for the ending uh, this just wouldn't be special at all and it'd be really forgettable and i i don't think anyone would talk about it at all um and in fact i don't i, I like oddly i it just doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a a peter davison story to me hmm. um it actually feels more like a colin baker era story um mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons mostly aesthetically um but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's fine. I I do I love the Cybermen in this. Uh actually a lot. Like I love their design. Yes. Um even when they're stumbling to step over things and continue to march like robots. Uh that's <laughs> the best is when the, the best is when the cyber I guess the cyber leader marches into the into the control room in episode 3 and like just like whacks the plas- the plywood away. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, awesome. Awesome. Also, if you've ever wanted to see the same Cyberman come out of the same plastic bag over and over and over again, this is your story. Oh gosh. <laughs> if you love if you just love repeated shots, this is absolutely your story. Absolutely. Oh man. <laughs> so many repeated shots. Yeah. Um No, but I love their design in this, and I think that I know that when they design this, uh you being able to see the actor's chin uh through the through the uh the the base of the costume like they obviously want you to think that it's the metal because they've like painted their chin silver but i gotta be honest if you could see like parts of the people they used to be that makes it creepier oh absolutely and i wish that because again i know that that's not what they were trying to do at the time, like they thought that, oh yeah, you just paint the chin silver and it, they'll just look like robots. But being able to see like bionic portions of them still in existence is uber creepy. I honestly, and, actually though, I think that was part of the original like concept when they brought him back. They were like, well, we need to do something really cool with them. And and I think Nathan Turner himself was like, let's remind people that there are actually people in here. And I oh, think that was great. Yeah, I think that was his plan and design. Okay, well that's great. I love the clear opening on the bottom, so you can see their their chins. Like mm-hmm. it just, uh it's, it makes they it makes them super creepy. Yeah, um, it, it adds like, which I wish they would. I wish they would add that back in to the uh, sure the 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 new Cybermen designs because mm-hmm. it's it's because uh, they're they're too robotic now. I mm-hmm. think. Well, and, and I I completely agree, and that's why like, I mean, I don't love the Tenth Planet, but. The thing that the Tenth Planet gets across is, I think that's honestly the scariest Cybermen story because the Cybermen in it are just jacked up. Like you can't even look at them because they're so. It's just pure body horror. Because um, they're like they'll just throw up in their mouths and you'll be like, ah, that's weird. Don't talk like that. Um, <laughs> and this, like, uh, the the thought that comes to mind whenever I see the Cyber Leaders' face moving underneath the 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 Cyber ish of it all is it just feels like he's a zombie in a really weird, like classic horror sort of way, but Mm -hmm. with a science fiction twist that I really, really, really like. Um, and honestly, it almost reminds me of, um, you know, those, those, um, like the zombie robots in invincible that invincible is fighting all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of that, especially the gray 
aspects. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. And that's, I mean, that's, the, and that's the thing. It's like I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I actually love the Cybermen in this, um, but I do think that like the the aspects of the design that work really work because like when you have the Cybermen in previous stories, like in the Trout era, they are just kind of generic robots, which is not bad. I mean, that's fine, but it's it's something that they really bring back here that is. Um, that is welcome. Uh, then again, say where it doesn't really do a whole lot with it. So, <laughs> yeah, I feel like John Nathan Turner and Eric Sayward uh, weren't very good with communicating with each other. Like, I feel like oh, oh they way weren't okay. Because I feel like weren't. I feel like one guy was making one show and the other guy was making another show, uh, and their visions didn't exactly go together very well. <laughs> no, without a doubt, without a doubt, because. Okay. Because cause Sayward's vision of Doctor Who, and you see it here, is very grisly. And this is not the grisliest he takes the show. Um, every Sayward story after this is progressively more and more grisly. Like, Resurrection and the Daleks is very, very, like, you know, people having their faces melted off and stuff. And then, like, you know, Resurrection of the Daleks in- includes um, Davros Davros getting his hand shot off by a, by a gun um, on screen. I bet Eric Sayward really loves the Saw movies. <laughs> we should ask him we should get him on the podcast and ask him eric sayward i have one question for you how do you like saw and he do goes you really i really like, like saw, saw? <laughs> i really like saw four honestly that was the best of the sauce <laughs> <laughs> but no and and i think you're right and i think the reason for that is that nathan turner first and foremost was a producer he was not a writer at all and so Sayward's vision for the show gets to be mostly unbridled. Compare it to Hinchcliffe and Holmes, where Hinchcliffe and Holmes were constantly working together. They were playing off of each other's strengths and interests. Nathan mm-hmm. Turner, I don't feel like he has an interest except in Doctor Who as a generic thing <laughs> that right. he was a part of for years. And Eric Sayward's interests are clearly anything that doesn't have to do with a doctor that is about Marines, guns, bullets, action, violence, um... And I'm not interested in those things. And those things, like, they kind of go together, but at the same time, the the violence, like, specifically the, the, the android violence in this, the one where the, the androids shoot, in the beginning, the biker the biker droids, as I like to call them, uh, they fire this, this electric charge that liquefies a body, which is, <laughs> it's uh, really dark. And yeah. <laughs> and every time I look at it, I'm like, wow, they got away with that. Um, Mm -hmm. well, and I, I think too, it's a thing where it's like, I don't mind, I I wouldn't necessarily mind it if the show had gone to that dark of a place, but the problem was that it went to that dark of a place without Eric Seward having any interest in, in, I guess, figuring out what the doctor means in a world like that. Uh, you know, like he should be almost like a symbol of, of hope in, in, in like a super hyper violent world. Then that's, that's something interesting and something that hadn't been done before. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead it's just, it's just the same old doctor and he's just part of that world now, uh, yeah. instead of being an antithesis to it, mm-hmm. which is the problem. Yeah. I think that, I think that he, say we definitely gets there. 
eventually, and then Colin Baker, and then Davison regenerates, and then they don't know what to do with the show at all, and they don't have time to figure it out before the show gets essentially canceled. Uh, the third season is about what you're talking about. It's about the, like, and a lot of fans have said this. I don't know if I completely hold hold to it exactly, because I haven't seen the whole Davison era in order yet, but the third season of Davison is very much about one man against the universe. Um, Resurrection of the Daleks is about nothing but that, and Frontios is kind of about that as well, and Warriors of the Deep is absolutely about that. You don't get the last line of Warriors of the Deep without um, without without that sort of clair not clairvoyance, but just moment of clarity of what am I doing here? Um, and of course, culminating in Caves of Androzani, which is basically just the world is a giant butthole, and the Doctor is just trying to be one good man in a world full of like just a holes. Um, I'm trying to keep it clean, but I mean, it's really hard to describe caves of Androzani without actually saying that. Um, so, <laughs> so he gets there, but I, I, I agree. And that's the problem with this is like, I really liked earth shock the first time I watched it. And I really liked it the second time I watched it. And I think I've watched it since then. And I liked it a lot that time too. But the problem is, Having seen all of the rest of Davis and stuff and having thought about it, because this this story has plot holes a mile wide, <laughs> like, this story does not make any sense. And that that well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But it's a story like so when I was watching it this time, I was like, yeah, let's watch some Earthshock. I was bored out of my mind during this, like just so bored because nothing happens. It's yeah. Really? It's just a lot of action. And then at the end of the day, disregarding Adric's death, the doctor is not even a presence in this. Like the only reason that he stands out is because Davison is so damn good at what he's doing and bringing every line to life. Um, that like he's the military is really the focus of this story. It's just about these space Marines going after Cybermen essentially, or, you know, trying to stop the Cybermen from destroying the earth or whatever it is they're trying to do. And that's like, I think that's the problem, honestly, because the reason, and I think that's the reason it doesn't feel like a Davison story is because it's not saying anything about anyone. Um, it's not saying anything about the doctor. It's like, let's just entertain you for a hundred minutes and direct it really quickly so that you don't notice the flaws in the plan. Um, which is why Grimwade's so good at this story. Um, but I, I mean, I, I know exactly what you mean because it doesn't feel like it's about anything. And say word, well, a guy doesn't write stories about stuff. <laughs> Not yet, anyways. All right. Well, uh, why don't you give people sort of a rundown of what this episode was? No. Um, I mean, just like an overall... Okay. All right. So, so like, because you talked about plot holes, and I feel like we can't really talk about them unless people know what this episode yeah. is about. Okay. So basically, what happens is there's a bunch of space marines who are investigating an archeolo- archaeological dig site because a couple of people <laughs> were killed, and um, uh, and this one archaeologist is freaking out because she's like, I don't know what's happening. Um, and by and by space marines, we mean not anything that's actually kind of cool. No, um, no, no. It's about it's, just. It's, it's like it's like the Doctor Who low rent space marine. Um, <laughs> just a bunch of dudes who look vaguely sci fi and carry laser guns. That's the whole thing. And they're a team. And there's a leader of the team. And it's very militaristic. That's basically what we mean. And they have mustaches. And they all have mustaches, like they're space cops. Um, but they're space marines. <laughs> so they investigate this cave. And while they investigate this cave, the Doctor 
somehow lands in the cave with Adric and Tegan and Nyssa, and Adric's really complainy because Adric wants to go home, except we find out later that he doesn't want to go home. He was just giving everyone a hard time for no reason. <laughs> and so, like, so the Doctor and uh, Nyssa and Tegan get out. They see some dinosaur bones, and they start talking about what killed the dinosaurs, and they start heading through these caves. And while... The Marines are heading towards the center of the dig site where basically these seven archaeologists were killed. There are these <laughs> biker robot androids. And they basically look like the androids in um, uh, Smith and Jones, but, you know, less human. <laughs> they, just, they're like, they just look so ridiculous. And so they start picking off these space Marines one by one, and there's this guy who's watching them all die, and he can't stand, and he can't handle it. Um <laughs> His solution to um to to watching people die is pressing computer buttons and screaming at it, which is I mean, that's a television watcher if ever I heard of one. And so he, so so the doctor eventually comes across these space marines. The space marines are like, What are you doing here? You why did you kill these people? The doctor's like, I didn't kill these people. And then the robots show up, they start like trying to kill the space marines. Um it turns out the robots are controlled by the Cybermen, and the Cybermen are trying to protect this wall panel that happens to be in this cave that the robots are supposed to protect the marines take out the robots the doctor opens the wall panel finds a bomb that the cybermen are like ah he found the bomb explode the bomb (laughs) and so the doctor's like ah he runs back to the tardis tries to jam the signal succeeds in jamming the signal runs back to the bomb tries to disarm the bomb with adric um the cybermen are constantly trying to take detonate the bomb it's not working the bomb gets uh, not detonated. The bomb gets disarmed, and the doctor's like, "All right, well, I'm gonna go investigate the signal from where the bomb came from." Now, okay, let's run through this. The Cybermen planted a bomb in a cave, and they planned for the bomb to go off, but instead of just detonating it randomly, they just waited for it to get found and then detonated it. Okay, that that make that makes sense, I guess. Um, <laughs> I have no idea how strong this bomb is, but uh. No one really seems to be worried about it being much stronger than the cave itself, which why it's in some remote cave that's at an archaeological dig site. I don't know. Whatever. Not important. So the why, are, why, are, why are they blowing anything up? I don't know. Well, it turns out that the Cybermen are actually trying to go after this inter- intergalactic peace conference that is taking place on Earth where a bunch of people are going to sign a treaty that will create an alliance that will eventually rise up against the Cybermen and kill all the Cybermen. So... So they planted a bomb in a remote cave and hoped that it would reach this random city really far away. Um, so they've basically they've come they they've gone back in time to kill John Connor. Yeah, basically. Um, so <laughs> so the Cybermen. So the Doctor traces this bomb signal all the way to a freighter and starts walking around the freighter with Adric and. When, while he's on the freighter, like, they just walk around for a really long time. They're not really noticed. The Cybermen are kind of watching them, too, and there's someone who's talking to the Cybermen. And it turns out that the Cybermen are actually on this freighter. And that they're on this freighter because there's this captain who <laughs> is played by this really wonderful, like, almost lipstick lesbian character. It's just, like, she's so fun in this. Um, <laughs> but She's so mean. Oh, she's such a she's – such she cares about nothing but profit, which is – totally say wardian um she's like she's like spacely sprocket (laughs) but with red hair and a sour attitude that is she's like 
Oh my god! But but Sp- yeah, Spacey Sprouticat has lots of sour attitude, yes. and I feel like she treats her son like George Jetson. <laughs> She's just like your job is to push a button. You can't even do that right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you are sh- worthless to me. <laughs> so, so shortly after arriving on this ship, the doctor. The Doctor and Adric are walking around, and the Captain gets clearance to move straight to Earth, and they will not be interrupted at any checkpoints, and she fought for seven hours to get this to happen, and she complains a lot about the bureaucracy, but it doesn't matter, because she's going to get there on time, and she's going to get a bonus, which is all she kind of cares about. And so, so, so there's this ship now that's flying directly towards Earth. It will not be interrupted. It will not be... Uh, stopped at any checkpoint. So it's basically given carte blanche to just cross a bunch of borders and, and, and uh, customs checkpoints. And we find out very quickly that there's Cybermen on this ship. Mm. Now, here's the thing. Why the Cybermen need to wake up from their cocoons, I don't understand. Why the Cybermen use a tremendous amount of energy and drain the ship of energy to 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 escape from their cocoons makes no sense because really they want to get to earth as fast as possible to interrupt this this uh this space conference but wouldn't draining the ship of power slow the ship down and make you get there slower for no reason uh- <laughs> <laughs> so the Cybermen eventually decide we're going to wake up and we're going to take over the ship, defi- despite the fact that they don't need to take over the ship at all. And we get some gun battles that are, I mean, I, 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 I don't think I like this story at all. But Peter Grimway does a really good job with the action sequences. I think he does direct the hell out of this. Um, and the stuff like there's the Cybermen marching the corridors, the way he shoots it and lights it is all really well done. Um, but the Cybermen basically take over the ship. The cyber leader is like, okay, well, um, we're going to crash into the Earth and blow up the Earth. How, how does that feel? And Tegan's just like, that's ridiculous. And the doctor's like, yeah, you shouldn't do that. And the Cybermen are like, ah, eh, whatever. We're going to take your TARDIS and be on the TARDIS and just watch the ship as it crashes in. And they put a computer – they lock the computer with a, <laughs> a, a logic puzzle that is in three <laughs> steps – which is like literally just asking for trouble. It's like it's like <laughs> you're dead set on this. Like, why do the Cybermen need a contingency plan when they're clearly ready to die for this project? I don't know. But <laughs> they they put a logic a logic puzzle lock on the on the controls so the the controls can't be moved. And Adric being Adric is left on the bridge, and the Doctor and Tegan and Nissa are taken back to the TARDIS and kept with some Cybermen. Adric decides, oh, I'm going to try and unlock the ship, which he which he succeeds in doing. Here's the weirdest part of this. Um, and while this is going on, the Doctor uh, takes off and is in the TARDIS, basically flying alongside this ship and watching it travel as it goes. Here's what I don't understand. When, the, when Adric unlocks two of the logic puzzles, the ship randomly, and I mean randomly, starts traveling backwards in time. What? <laughs> like, like, why? And really, the answer is because this ship is basically the comet that destroyed the dinosaurs. That's where we're going with this. And that, yep. you know, <laughs> that's where... It's Adric at. killed the dinosaurs. Yeah, Adric really, really... I mean, if I were a dinosaur, I'd be pissed. If I were on that spaceship, I would I would see the doctor and just be like, what the hell, bro? You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, 
basically Adric then it gets sent back in time and a Cyberman destroys the third lock bef- the, the third logic puzzle before Adric can solve it Adric goes out saying well now I'll never know if I was right because he had just solved the puzzle but didn't get to unlock it in time crashes into the earth and kills all the dinosaurs and dies in the process um it's kind of a mess. Um. <laughs> well, and and the reason because we stopped we stopped doing like a step by step rundown of the uh, of the episodes a, a while back. But the reason I wanted you to do that is just so everyone understands just how convoluted this episode is. Oh, it's all over the place. Because uh, I still don't really I like the. There's just we're in a cave and then and 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 then we're on the ship and I I just really yeah. <laughs> I don't know it's all over. and then we kill the dinosaurs and they're Cybermen and I just uh. it's just it's just it's 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 a uh, to use a phrase that is going to get me in trouble it's a Moffat problem there's just too many ideas going through and not enough cooking of those ideas like Mm -hmm. you can tell he's just throw like you can tell that eric sayward is just throwing ideas and concepts and subplots into this story and the first time you watch it like you don't even realize how messed up it is and that's all because peter grimway directs it i believe that um but you know Sayward has that problem where Sayward will create an idea and then just never use it. He'll just throw it out there and never int- and never integrate it into the plot, and then it's kind of a mess. If you think that this is a mess, <laughs> wait until you see Resurrection of the Daleks, which has just so many weird things where you're like, I don't understand what's happening right now. Like, I don't understand why we're here. I don't understand how that guy was a traitor the whole time. It doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> it's just... It's, it's awesome. It's, it's Oh, it's a huge mess. Um... But it, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just, it's kind of a train wreck of a story, but it's got good moments. I mean, the doctor saying, talking about sunshine and flowers is pretty good. The Tegan saying that she's a mouth on legs is like why you would have Tegan still around if that was your, if that was a prevailing (laughs) wisdom thought. Um, it's it's beyond me. Um, uh, it's just it's 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 all over the place it's all over the place and then of course it ends with like the doctor and nissa and tegan taking back the tardis from the cybermen by firing lots of guns and by firing lots of guns i don't mean that nissa takes up arms against the cybermen because she does it's also the part where the doctor literally shoots one of the cybermen to death and at that point you're just like i don't think you understand this show (laughs) <laughs> like I can take the doctor crushing Adric's gold star of gold star mathematic badge of excellence. I can take him crushing it into the Cybermen's like chest unit. I I, I get that, but <laughs> him just like holding a gun point blank at the Cybermen's cyber leader's chest while the cyber leader grabs his arm and goes down is just <laughs> spectacularly bad. Yeah. Oh God, it's not good. <sighs> so let's talk about Adric. Yeah. So I pretty much feel like uh, Matthew Waterhouse. Uh, he just, you know, just said, if I'm going out, I'm taking an entire species with me. And, <laughs> and I, I just, you know, the world's a better place without Adric. I think. <laughs> oh, uh, without a, without a doubt. Without now, a doubt. AU Adric. That's another story. Oh, absolutely another story. (laughs) 
But uh, yeah, no, I it's it's yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad too. <clears throat> I, I think that one of the reasons that they killed Adric was because they um they wanted to do they wanted to shake things up. They wanted to make something that was per- they wanted to do something that was mostly permanent. Um, Davison flat out refused to let Nathan Turner write out Nyssa because he was like, Nyssa is the companion that my doctor would have. Don't you dare write her out. And Nathan Turner was like, I will later. Um, <laughs> and, and Nathan Turner refused to write out Tegan because he really liked Tegan. Um, and then Adric was a character who he had decided wasn't working out the way that he wanted him to. And there was just too much tension because I, uh, Davison and Adric were actually, er, and Waterhouse were only like, a de- like Davison was only a decade older than Waterhouse, which doesn't seem like a lot. But if you think about it, it kind of is like, or it doesn't seem like it's that little, but it actually is compared to other companions. And it's like you, you, role wise, they were filling the same void. And you know, <laughs> which which character is less important to the show, Adric or the Doctor? Um, so they killed off Adric, and I think that. It's complicated. It's a, it's a move that I liked at first, loved at first, but the more I sit on it, and this is something that uh, other people have pointed out, but it's a very shrewd move because it was a character who was easily the least popular of the TARDIS companions. He was easily the most grating, um, and they just killed him off because they're like, eh, let's kill him off. And... <laughs> And it's like, and they do some bitter things with him. They they make him kind of a jerk in this, but they say, I want to go home. And then he says, I'm going to stay with you forever. And then he bids farewell. It's a little shrewd. And the more I watch it, the more I'm like, this is a little too calculating for me. Like, mm-hmm. in a way that makes me feel like it cheapens it somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's... there was any way to get around cheapening it, honestly. Oh, without a doubt. Because um, uh, there's no way – they made Adric so – well, the combination of them and Matthew Waterhouse made Adric so unlikable that there is no way to redeem him by the time they're going to kill him, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so all they could do was make him even worse and then kind of make him the same <laughs> as he always has been and then kill him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's – <sighs> No. But it's but it's one of those things where it's like, you know what? Regardless of that, it worked. I mean, yeah. Adric ev- I mean everything about Adric before this, everything from his first appearance to every story, every episode has forever been tainted by this. And it's forever like quasi redeemed the character in a really weird way mm-hmm. <laughs> because he's still annoying but at the end of the day like there is a real tragedy to it there is a tragedy to oh the doctor really messed up he threw a kid into a situation and the kid got killed i mean it's no jason todd but it's still like <laughs> it's still like it's still one of those things where it's like and it and they play it all the way to the very end which is interesting <laughs> it would have been it would have been uh i i feel like i feel like Eric Sayward in the first draft, uh, when the when the when the Cybermen came in uh, to the bridge and smashes the uh, smashes the uh, the logic the, puzzle. Yeah, the logic puzzle. I feel like uh, he smashed it with with a crowbar and then took it to Matthew Waterhouse. <laughs> <laughs> he just took it to Adric and just. And the and the doctor and and Nissa and Tegan could just watch. That's they just they just had to watch. And then and then it blew up. 
just to, <laughs> just to add insult to injury. <laughs> and people voted on it. Oh, <laughs> comics. Okay, sorry, everybody. <laughs> and then they're like, why isn't he in the next episode? It's like, they shot Time Flight twice, and now I kind of want the other version of Time Flight. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was really hung up on when you said, when he wrote the first draft of this, I was like, aren't we watching the first draft? Oh. <laughs> the first draft is exactly the same, just more violent with crowbars. Oh, oh, good. Oh, oh, okay. So he, he definitely did a good rewrite on it then. And, okay. and Cybermen crushing people's hands, which he used later. <laughs> he was like, ah. no, this is a good bit. I got to get rid of it now. Ah. But uh, I'm coming back to this. I am coming back to this. <laughs> Save it for later. Oh, <laughs> that's something I don't want to see again. And we'll have to. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a thing. I also... I get the melodrama of seeing the broken star at the very end over the credits. But at the same time, I, I like it to start. And then at, once you hit about five seconds in, you're just like, wow, okay, that was a little too melodramatic. <laughs> <laughs> he just died. Come on, yeah. guys. Yeah, like, uh, I, and I mean, it would have felt really weird to go out on that last beat and then to have... um. And then to have just the sting and then crash and then into the credits. Like, I do agree that would have felt really weird. But mostly I'm just going to blame that to the writing. Because, <laughs> because it worked for Rose. Or not for Rose. Let's just go with uh, it worked for Journey's End. Like, Journey's End is about as bleak as it comes. And it, <laughs> and it's still they still made the, the thing work. And I think that it's funny because, like, I mean, <laughs> it's just like there's just no breath at the end which i think makes it feel really weird they're like yeah the credits will be the breath and it's like no 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 no. you just needed the doctor to just put just to just hang his head and just feel like total remorse like that's all you needed and then just do the music sting i don't know it's (laughs) yeah i uh i don't know i uh i i kind of I got to defend the 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 credit the the no music over the credits because I feel like it only feels melodramatic because we don't like Adric. Sure. So you're just so you're just like you're just like ugh. Like it's just insult to injury where you're just like nobody cares about this character and you're making a big deal about care- killing him, but everyone's happy that he's dead. It's, I mean, uh, there's, I mean, there's other shows where that has happened for me, where like they make a big deal out of, a, out of a character that everyone universally hates, uh, and, and, and their death. And you're just like screaming at the characters to get over it, and move on. Cause you just don't even want to remember the character anymore. And I feel like that's what's going on here. Sure. Well, I feel like if it had been the same thing, but it had been Nissa. I feel like you would be praising the ending. I really, I just think it's, I just think it's that it's Adric. Probably. I also know what happens five minutes into the next story. So well, that's we'll a see too. Probably. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait, just wait until the first five minutes of time flight. You're like, Oh, they're going to deal with this. And then they're like, no, we're going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> but that's time flight. And we'll get to time flight in about 10 weeks or whatever. Well, a little longer than that, I think. Or whatever. <laughs> I said or whatever or whatever. Uh yeah, no, it's um it's a story. All right. Well. <laughs> I don't know. It just yeah. yeah. <laughs> nah. 
so far, it's weird though, because so far I, I've watched all of these in order Davison stories with my girlfriend Bethany, and so she's like really involved <laughs> in the Davison stories. Like she's watched all of them so far, mm-hmm. and we got to the end of this, and she just goes, "He's dead!" <laughs> like he's like, did they just did they just ice Adric? Like she couldn't believe it. She was well, like, "Wow, that was dark." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, and that's the thing about it is like, the first time you see it, you're just like, "Wow!" Like knowing it's coming. Like I remember the first time I watched this. Like, and I when I did it on the blog, I blo- I literally YouTube the last eight minutes of this story because it was just like because it's like watching Empire where you're like, "He's gonna save him, right? It's gonna, they're gonna pull out of this, right?" And then you realize, "Oh, they're not gonna do that." <laughs> Because it's just so it's just so shocking. Like regardless of like your thoughts on them on Adric, like it's just so shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it uh, and she can't... she had the benefit of having no idea that it was happening. I just told uh. her, I mean it's just a story. I was like, yeah, it's just it's the next one. <laughs> so she had no idea. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a bummer. I you know I do like Adric and Black Orchid. Yeah, no, he was he was great. He just sat there and ate the whole time. That was yeah, fun. Yeah, it was good. And I like him being chained up in Castrovalva. That was fun. Um, and I liked. <laughs> I like and, him when he's just acting like a kid, you know. Yeah, yeah. Which it, I mean, it just doesn't happen very often. Yeah, it makes the tragedy work really mm-hmm. well. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that I don't know. The, he should have been what, the Doctor's Robin, and he just wasn't. Yeah, like if like, can you imagine? Like, this is how we feel, and it's also because there aren't any other companion deaths. That's why this is a big deal. But can you imagine if this has been a character who, like, you know, if they had done this with um, Rory, um, <laughs> no one would have cared because it had already happened. They just keep expecting him to wake up. Right. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> do it with Sarah Jane. Do it with. Help Turlo do it with Ian. Like you kill off Ian, kill off hell. If you would kill off, kill off Jamie. Like if you can you imagine if like the war games resulted in Jamie's death? Like that would like, have been the worst. Oh Ugh. my god, I can still I can barely sit through that story. At, like not sit through that story, but I can barely get through that ending as it is because it's so hard to watch. Yeah, <laughs> but like 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 it's just it's just such a like kind of a wasted opportunity but like i mean <laughs> well let's talk about big finish very briefly and i th- i know i want to talk about big finish later this year as we kind of cuz we got to talk about the end of this year cuz it's this year <laughs> big finish was crazy um but big finish just kind of killed off a companion a major companion one of their own um and it, i mean it wasn't completely set up in that story or the trilogy as is, but it was still <laughs> incredibly heartbreaking. Yeah, it was. <laughs> like, totally devastating. Yeah, it was. And, like, and like, that's the thing about it is, like, it's, 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 it's sad, but it's also, like, man, this is what it does when we don't care. Like, imagine if we did. Like, the, the thought of it just kind of blows my mind mm-hmm. um, as a show. Because they can still get licensed to do it. Um, he can still, cause you know, any companion death that comes now would only be what the fourth, no fifth. Cause I do count Perry, um, would be like the fifth companion death ever, um, in terms of major TV companions. Um, 
And I, th- I kind of, I kind of want one. No, Amy and Rory don't count. Um, <laughs> they didn't die. No, they didn't die. They kind of didn't. Um, they time traveled. Yeah, they time traveled and then died off screen, which is not the same. But dying as a result of like, you know, the Daleks or the Master or whatever, or a, a random. Act they of they died as a result of something indirectly. We're talking about something directly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and compare it to the big finish that that was something remarkably direct. Like mm-hmm. that was a direct result of what the doctor did in that story. Um, mm-hmm. That was, was rough. P- so, so rough. <laughs> Dude, the deaths in big finish are really, <laughs> really heartbreaking. Uh, it still wasn't, it still wasn't Lucy, but, uh, Oh, Oh no, no, no but nothing. nothing touches Lucy. Lucy, no. Lucy had me bawling like a child. <laughs> oh God. I was like, I was at work when I was listening to that and I was like, Oh no. Oh, Oh no. Uh, and then I literally was just like, I have to go to the bathroom right now. It's getting, and then I, it's getting me. It's making me misty. Just thinking about it. Oh, I can't think about it. It's oh, the thing. God, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Have you ever had, it's one of those thoughts that's so sad that you can't bear to have it. Um, uh huh. Like, you can, yeah, God. And we need to stop talking about this. Yeah, Lucy. Lucy is how you do a companion <laughs> departure. Um. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway. Uh, all right. So we're going to talk about Vampires of Venice. Before we do, want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCB Service is the site that lets you order all of your monthly comic books, statues, action figures, T-shirts, uh, whatever. Uh, you can get from a local comic book shop. You can pre-order from DCBService.com. You place your orders uh, two, two to three months uh, in advance. There's like a window there. Um, and uh, so basically uh, it's November now, so you would be ordering for January. Yes, January. Uh, you place your orders three months in advance uh, with monthly discount specials up to 75% off um, and then regular discounts at 40% off. Lots of specials. Uh, lots of, uh, there's like a package deal with the Marvel nows right now. So that's, that's all, uh, it's all well and good. And, uh, you can ship as often as you like, as large or small as you like, and you only pay six ninety five in flat rate shipping no matter what. So thanks to DCBService.com. All right. So, uh, Vampires of Venice. Um, okay. So this is, uh, this is Toby Woodhouse. Uh, Matt and I have a soft spot for Toby Woodhouse, um, cause I feel like, I feel like he just, uh, he just gets Doctor Who in a way that I think we both appreciate a lot. Yes. Yeah. Um, because I, I his stories are always, they feel quintessentially classic Who, um, updated. Mm-hmm. Which where where whereas the Russell T Davies era uh, always kind of just felt like its own thing, and now the Moffat era feels like its own thing. Uh, Toby Whithouse was somehow able to, I guess, like shine a classic who beam of light through the waters of their eras. Like mm-hmm. every time he does an episode, it feels like classic who. Um, and so, like, we just have a uh, enormous soft spot for the guy um, mm-hmm. because of his ability to do that. Uh, and I think that Vampires of Venice is a really fun story. Um, and I think that I, I can understand why people – because 
the reason I think you and I love it so much is because how much it feels like a classic Who story, and that's something that that new Who fans wouldn't really be capable of appreciating. Sure. Uh, so they could watch this and just sort of be like, meh. Um, which is generally what people say when, when you hear about this episode. Um, because, you know, it's not Daleks and it's not the crack or anything that's going on. So um, it's it's very much just a Doctor Who adventure, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I like it a lot. I really do. I do have a few issues that I, 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 I realized watching it this time. Um, which I want to get to, but we'll we'll save those. Uh, but I do overall like. I just think it's a fun uh, romp. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I completely agree. And I think that that's the thing about Withouse that I really like is that Withouse really is good at having a lot of fun with his Doctor Who. Um, a lot of fun. Um, and doing something that's new and creative and exciting. He it is all it, and he's very chameleonic in his own way where he does a story that feels like the Moffat era and feels like this season, but is also um, very him in a way that I can't really describe. Um, yeah. It's it, his je ne sais quoi is really, really, really outstanding. Um, his ideas are really clever. Um, and are they real vampires? Uh, no. Do I care? Not really. Like, I, yes, there is room for Doctor Who to do vampires. They did State of Decay, but let's forget state of decay um <laughs> but but i don't i kind of don't care and the stuff that's in this that's is is really interesting this story breathes when it needs to breathe and runs when it needs to run and it's very exciting and action-packed and a lot of like it's just a lot of fun like you said and i it makes it reminds me why i really do like um Whithouse and his work um and want him to take over the show like i just i want it um yeah uh, I was trying to I was trying to think of like where to go from there, and I was like, I got I got I got nothing. Uh, All right, well, let me talk about my problems, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, sit on the couch and let's talk about it. Let's. let's talk uh, it they're all in the third act, um, for the most part. Uh, I think the first problem that I had was that um, what's the uh, what what's the what's the boat guy's name? The father, uh, Francesco, I think. Francesco. Um, Francesco, his daughter gets eaten, which, first of all, is always unexpected. Like, I always forget that that happens every time I watch this. And I'm like, oh, wow, they, uh, okay. <laughs> like, I just like, it's the whole reason we're uh, saving everybody. And uh, they just killed her. Huh. Okay. <laughs> all right. But my yes. problem is that he doesn't seem particularly upset by it. Until mm-hmm. suddenly he gets his revenge. <laughs> yes. Uh, like, I mean, her death scene and the doctor realizing that she's dead is directly followed by a scene where they're all sitting around the table holding each other's mouths so that the doctor can yeah. think with no one talking. And I'm like, really, that's going on and he's he's fine with it right after he found out that his daughter is dead? And yeah, right really before, right before he blows himself up to get revenge, like I just, mm-hmm. I I don't. It's, eh. 
Yeah, there needs to be more despondency in his character. Um, yeah, he, like it, it was the one thing that he cared about in this world. Um, he was he's willing to die for it. Clearly, it's got to be something that really like the doctor needs to be fighting him off to to run over there. And I know that it's a plot convenience because they don't have they literally do not have the space to allow him to run off and start his own personal crusade against a bunch of space fish. Um, but it does, it does ring really false because all of a sudden he's just like cackling mad and carrying like an explosive device around. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. And, and then suddenly he's like really patriotic to like, (laughs) He's just, he's, like, really patriotic, like, out of nowhere, also. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where it's not, not even, where it almost doesn't even feel like he's getting revenge for the death of his daughter. It feels like he's he's standing up for his his city's beliefs and, like, I don't, I don't know, it's weird. Yeah, it's not even, like, for Isabella, it is, we are Venetians. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. Strange. If he had if he had had some real Venetian pride, I don't think it would have come off as too weird. But it, he didn't, so yeah. So it feels a little off. It really does. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the two of them that really bugged me. Um, also, uh, okay, if I'm understanding this correctly, uh, Rosanna or Rosanna when she when she talks about like her little thingamajig that makes uh fish people look like regular people with fishy clothing Mm -hmm. um she says that it's not a hologram it's a thing that tricks your brain into seeing her and then that's why you can see the fangs because you like your brain is just like danger danger and so that it could see the fangs right is that yeah, that's how it works, right? And that's why yeah. you can't see the reflection because your brain can, uh, it can trick your brain into seeing something in front of it, but it can't trick it through uh, a mirror or something. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. so how does she take her clothes off at the end? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I have okay. no idea. Okay, because <laughs> that was happening. I was like, what? I what? How? How is that? <laughs> what? Like, I just I don't understand what's going on. Like. I, I don't I, – I, I just – it makes no sense. None whatsoever. Um, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Uh, okay. That's good. All right. So that's <laughs> the second problem. <laughs> Again, minor quibbles. Uh, but yeah, the, like honestly, if that's, your, if that's your thing, like just jump in fully clothed. Like, right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Does it, does it matter? Do you, uh, is, is your dress like that precious to you? It's not even you... real. Like I don't <laughs> – Oh, wait, no, isn't uh, no? Actually, now that I think about it, isn't it real? Like, isn't she wearing that dress when the when the thing kind of shorts out in front of Amy? Isn't it? No, Am she I just right? turns into the creature thing that, and her her body looks like the dress because oh. it has the little spine things around the neck. Uh, yeah, I get it now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, so so then, uh. We get the end, which everything is fine and and dandy and and hunky-dory. And then the last 10 seconds are the weirdest last 10 seconds. The weirdest last 10 seconds where they mention the silence and everything goes quiet. And it's just like, I just hear silence. I'm like, that was – that was obviously like the show. The episode ended like ten seconds ago, and Moffat wrote the last like quarter of a page because 
it just feels so out of place and weird. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we were briefly talking about this beforehand and then we had to stop because we were going to record, but, uh, I, I don't, I don't think that Moffat knew what the silence was when he took this over. Uh, no, nope. <laughs> because like, cause like, remember like, okay, so we have them here and they're like, they're like, do you hear that? What? It's the silence. They do, they do the silence, but they also do, um, <laughs> There's also the fact that the silence are the aliens that you forget the second you turn away from them, and then there's also there's also they're also actually a religious order, um, and it's like, uh, so is it tremendous quiet or aliens or a religious order? <laughs> like he can't even <laughs> seem to make up his mind, and it's like and it's like. I don't know. That was my. That was always. That's always been my problem with season five and the Moffat area in general is like. He has no idea how to do the myth arc at all, um, and never has. Like, never has been able to balance it as well as someone like Davies did. And the thing about Davies that makes it really interesting is, like, yes, Bad Wolf is in all those stories, and Torchwood is in all those stories. But, like, it was in there as much as it needed to be, and no more. Especially in well, season... Yeah. Well, it's not even that. It's the fact that, like, he knew what he was doing. Like, he knew what Torchwood was. Yeah. And he knew... He knew who Saxton was, and he knew what Bad Wolf was. Like, he knew that before he wrote it. So when he was do- putting in the hints, he knew what they, what they all equaled, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. He, he, he knew, like, all of these things no one was going to notice until we get to the, to the end, when you, the finale, when you realize all of those things that we saw meant something. And you're like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. awesome. And that's why, that's why season four works, because, like, he tweaks it slightly in season four, but it's not in every episode. The, the, the pyroveils from fire, Fires in Pompeii are relevant to the Stolen Earth, and the disappearance of the bees, which is mentioned in, fi- in Midnight, sorry, is relevant to the to the to stolen earth but only tangentially and the thing about it and this is something that people talked about when it aired but like you get to the end of all these episodes and there's always the crack at the end or there's always that beat at the end and it's like you don't need those beats and i mean we're going to we're going to see it in Amy's choice next week it clearly doesn't need them because Amy's choice is a very standalone episode it's the most standalone of the whole season um mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's, I, I, that, that's significant. It's like, you don't need to keep reminding me that there's a myth arc going. I have the internet. That's okay. Um, just tell me <laughs> a good story. <laughs> I have the internet. Well, I do. And cause God knows that the internet can't shut up about a conspiracy theory. So yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing. Um, but other than that, like, if I have a problem with vampires in Venice, it's that the doctor solves the day by throwing a switch. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I think that's funny. I, I love the idea that he climbs all the way up there and this big and dramatic and there's a storm and there's rain and, and, and everybody's screaming and running around. It's this big thing. And he gets up there expecting to do something really dramatic and he just reaches in and flips a switch. Like, <laughs> I just, there's something so like funny and Doctor Who-y about that to me. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I remember watching it the first time and I think I was watching him climb the thing and I was like, is he, is he going to solve this by throwing a switch? And then he did, and I was like, oh, yes, because <laughs> like, I called it. But the it's just it's just weird, mostly because uh, Whithouse later, as we see in um, 
uh, hell, he did it in School Reunion. In his other stories, he's very good at thematically tying in the solution to the theme of the story. In in God Complex, it's about faith and breaking someone's faith. In uh, Town Called Mercy, it's about um, atoning for your sins and um, learning to um, make sacrifices that you wouldn't otherwise make. Here, I, I feel like Vampires in Venice somewhat lacks a thematic resonance. Like, it's almost there, but it's not as clean as it is in, like, School Reunion, which is about um, learning to let go from the past, to live in a moment of nostalgia, and then to allow it to cease. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like that's missing. And the only reason, and, like, yes, I agree, the solution is remarkably delightful, and it's very funny, and it makes me laugh. But at the same time... Uh, I'm just I I'm I'm really spoiled and I and I demand too much. I just want a thematic. I just wanted to th- I want something slightly more thematic out of it. Um, the solution to the yeah. I mean, problem. I guess <clears throat> I guess yeah. With the solution, yeah. Because I mean, the theme to the to the story is uh uh being the last of your kind. I guess yeah. Um and showing the difference between a species with a similar problem to the doctor mm-hmm. um, and, and how they solve their problem uh, as uh, you know, in, in, in uh, comparison to the doctor uh, who, do- who chooses not to. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the theme is there. It's just not in the solution. You're right. Mm-hmm. And and that's like, that's my one thing because, because I can handle the doctor flipping a switch at the end. I can handle that. It's just, if you're going to have him flip a switch, have him flip a switch for a reason. Um, make it make it matter more than just the world's ending, I think. Um, but that's, I mean, that's just me. And it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't detract from my enjoyment of it, um, which is quite a lot. There's a lot to love here. It's just, it's a lot of fun. And if this was your first Doctor Who story, I think you'd do pretty well on it because um, it's a lot of fun. That said... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I liked Amy in season five. Amy is terrible to Rory for no reason in this story. Yeah, in ways where it's like when I watch when I was watching this the first time and reading what people were saying about Amy as a character, people were like, "Oh, Amy Pond, she's so awful. She doesn't like she doesn't like love her husband. She doesn't she doesn't respect him." And I was like, "I don't know, whatever. She's a free spirit." But in this, she's like wantonly cruel to him. The idea that. She want she will not let the doctor be her brother, but that she'll let her fiance be her brother. I I guess the idea is that she wants to have an adventure with Rory, but that's blatantly not true, and it's kind of bizarre and weird, and it shows that she's not taking their relationship very seriously, despite the fact that they are there to take their relationship seriously, and it's very, it's just very jarring, um, and it's very, mm-hmm. uh, Moffat problem, um. <laughs> to use a to use a word that will continue to get me in trouble. Um, yeah. Well, you know, happens. Happens indeed. Still the most awkward uh, teaser. Yeah, a little bizarre. Such an awkward cold open. Yeah. Ah, stripper cakes, bachelor parties, and a naked stripper outside. Um. <laughs> What a, and such a weird beat to go to the, and I think, like, I understand, like, whoever edited this or whatever, I'm sure, like, Moffat just thought it was hilarious. Oh, it's uh, total Moffat. Like, Moffat is just like, oh, this is so funny to start a Doctor Who story on Not a Monster. Like, oh, it's so funny. And it's like, 
I don't know. Because I feel like I feel like maybe these might have been that. Like I feel like we the this was actually the scene that opened the episode. Mm-hmm. Not and and like we the cold open ended at the end of the vampire thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then he purposefully, like, moved it into the cold open <laughs> and made it weird. Yeah. It's uh, uh, bizarre. It's a little bizarre. Yeah. It's a little bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, well. Happens. Happens. Yeah. yeah, it does. Uh, Next week, we'll probably uh double up, I imagine, um, on episodes coming out next week because our next episode's Plan of the Ood Namie's Choice, which is, uh, you know, we're nothing to... to <laughs> To put together, uh, uh, and and I mean, you know, we just got an hour and a half. We watch it and then record, and we're good. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so I, I think we could probably double up pretty easily next week. But uh, yeah. next episode will be Planet of the Ood Namie's Choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. It'll be, and uh, I'm looking forward to both of those. Planet of the Ood being, in my opinion, the weakest of season four. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. Hmm. I can't think of I can't think of one I like less, but I like Planet of the Ood. But I can't think of one I like less. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah, I don't agree with that, but okay. Oh, oh, that's what that's what you're thinking of. Well, screw your opinions. Um, <laughs> on the other side of those, we're going to talk about the Smugglers, um, which is a first Doctor Pirate story, and we're going to include um uh, that that's going to be with- Earth and. Cold Blood, which I'm, uh, I'll just say right now, not looking forward to rewatching because I don't want to be bored for an hour and a half. Um, but we're going to be. Hooray! Oh, we're going to be so bored. Um, <laughs> and then we're going to watch Time Lash, which is going to be me wanting to gouge my eyes out for an hour and a half, followed by uh, uh, Vincent and the Doctor. So th- the best that Doctor Who has to offer and the worst that Doctor Who has to offer. Um, and then, That'll be a fun day. Oh, kill me now um <laughs> and then a uh, keeper of truck and, and uh the lodger and remembrance of the daleks and pa- uh, uh uh pandorica opens and the big bang um that'll be a good- followed by the abominable snowman and the snowman <laughs> yeah well yeah i think that we'll- <laughs> that's that's funny <laughs> we're gonna have we're gonna have the snowmen separately though but well yes. yeah i know i know i just think that's so funny that they're so close together it's festive um <laughs> But yeah, so that's stuff to that's stuff to look forward to. Um, I'm really looking forward to the Remembrance of the Daleks week, a good Dalek story followed by the finale of season five, and then we'll do. I don't know. I guess we should talk about Christmas Carol when we talk about snowmen. That's the yeah. goal is for us to be ready for that by Christmas. Which yeah, so we'll do Abominable Snowman, Snowmen, and uh, and Christmas Carol, and then the next one will should be uh, the Snowmen. And then uh, we'll come back to Ambassadors of Death, which is nice. <laughs> what a kickoff to the 50th anniversary year, you guys. What a kickoff. Yeah. You guys. Yeah, which, by the way, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a week off after the Christmas special, just yeah, so you know. Because uh, <laughs> we're going to have to muscle to get all this stuff done because I'm pretty sure that um, <laughs> there's not just six weeks till Christmas. Yeah, so yeah. We're, we're gonna have to muscle through uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, one, two, three, four, five. Oh, I guess there are. I guess there are like five more Sundays till Christmas. So, yeah. so oh, we should be okay. We should be okay. Yeah. We're uh, cutting it a little close, but uh, we should be okay. So, yeah, well, yeah. that's all right. Yeah, woo. We'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> all right. 
Uh, in the meantime, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm twitter.com slash Scott Corelli. Uh, also, Scott Commentary, where sometimes I live tweet things. I don't know when I'm going to do it again. Uh, and check out our other podcast, The Mind Robbers, uh, which is also on mindrobber.net and on iTunes. Uh, we talk about things that we watch and read and listen to and play. Our latest yeah. episode was a great ep- was a great discussion of Skyfall, and I'll just say it was great because I thought it was great. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we talked about Skyfall. Yeah. That's right. That and, just happened. And we should be back with a Mind Robbers soonish. <laughs> it was supposed it's gonna be rough. It was supposed to be tomorrow, but I was like, I was like, maybe we'll record this week. And I was like, what am I doing on Thursday? And then I was like, oh, right, it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> and you're working. Oh, and I'm working because Simon Cowell is British. Um, so <laughs> things to think about. Um, I, I, I'm British, so everyone else is too. <laughs> Screw the pilgrims. Screw them. They they left. Um, so yeah, things to, things to look forward to. But the next episode of the Mind Robber is, is going to have a lot of good stuff in it that I'm really excited to talk about pretty much across the board, which is really cool. Um, uh, so that's, that's the mind robbers. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash gun get in. Also my alternate Twitter account, GD commentary, where I live tweet stuff. Uh, classical Gallifrey is finally back up and running because, uh, we got held up because Cassandra was doing the sun makers and extenuating circumstances that were mostly my fault. We'll say, uh, uh, kept her from finishing the entry but it's done and it's posted and you should read it um and to catch up i will be posting like three entries this week or something um good god <laughs> to be fair though those entries are done in the can i literally just have to hit publish on them um actually that's a lie two of them are done and then i have to i have to write curse of fenric and then i also have to do the two doctors um so hopefully why are I'll you get... a liar hmm why are you a liar? I'm not lying. Um, although that does remind me, I'm a small tangent for the people who are still listening at this point. This one time there was this girl at work who asked me, she was like, I kind of want to go to Chipotle. Have you had Chipotle? And I went, no. And then I thought about it for two seconds and I was like, I don't know why I said that. I, um, I've been there not just once, but a number of times and to the one that's literally about a hundred feet from where we are right now. Uh, and it was a weird moment of me being a pathological liar. What does that say about me? I guess that I'm a pathological liar. Um, <laughs> uh, it's weird being me. It's weird being me. Um, but no, good good stuff coming up. Edge of Destruction, which is a lot of fun. The Mind Robber, which is like done. Like it's done, written in the can, ready to be God, published. I can't wait to read that. Oh. I will read all of that. <laughs> it was uh, – it was a lot of fun, and hopefully it came The out. Mind Robber, our, minds, our, our namesake. Our, our namesake, named because we both really love that story, and I'd, I'd forgotten how incredibly good it was. Like, I'd forgotten. I was like, no, I really like this story. And I was like, I was like two episodes in, and I was like, oh, I love this story. Yeah. So if you, but if you haven't seen The Mind Robber, you should. It's a really good one. Um, uh, and then, we're not getting to that on this podcast for a long time. Oh, no, 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 no. It's way far away. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think it's our last um, Trouton story, but it's up there. Like with, That's so weird. I It's like I said it out loud. I was thinking that. I just thought, is it our last Trouton story? And you go, I don't think it's our last Trouton story. <laughs> no, our last Trouton story, I'm looking right now. I think our last Trouton story is, um, oh, our last Trouton story is Tomb of the Cybermen. Um, so... 
Mm. Something to look forward to. You gotta end on a Cyberman story. No, it's our third to last Cyberman story. Or our third to last Trouton story. Um, uh, Tomb of the Cybermen is our last, and our second to last is Web of Fear. So, oh, we- remember that time when when the Mind Robber and the Cybermen were a same the same story? Oh, mm. oh. I remember that, because that every, was a good time <laughs> because every time that I was watching the mind robber, every minute I was there, I was like, God, I want to watch. I want to listen to that story again. And every time I was listening to that story, I was like, God, I want to watch the mind robber again. And I just get caught in a loop where I'm just like, I just want those things together. Um, no, good uh, stuff. Um, and all, all these things should be posted on the blog because the blog is fun. Um, and I should be caught up because curse of Fenric actually starts our victory lap. That is the, last seventh doctor story we're talking about and i'm basically going through one story um the last story of each doctor that i'm covering the first seven of the first seven doctors and i picked i saved one for each and you'll hear me talk about them as we go on but yeah so look for all those things this week over a classical gallifrey which i'm almost done with i'm almost done with um by the time the snowman airs i will be done with that blog that's how close i am that's how close Mm. good stuff and how. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> we'll see you next week with Blender the Lady. And Amy's All Choice. Right. Yeah, bye. Bye. bye.